This is the Small Moves Podcast with your host, Jason Hertzberger, episode 25. Welcome to the land of a thousand frozen lakes. You're listening to the Small Moves Podcast. Small steps for big progress. With your host, Jason Hertzberger. Your next step starts now. Hey, everybody, this is your host, Jason Hertzberger. Thanks for tuning into the show. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the world's leading source of audio entertainment. I have been a subscriber to Audible forever. As a listener of the Small Moves podcast, you are entitled to get a free 30-day trial of Audible as well as a free audiobook by going to smallmoves.co forward slash audiobooks. One book that I would suggest is Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. I read this book for the first time probably back around 2000. Um, it was really an impactful book for me and as an, a way to keep my scatterbrain self uh, focused on trying to get the hardest and most annoying, frankly, project of the day done early on so that you don't have to think about it for the rest of the day. Because whenever I forget this little tidbit of advice, I have a tendency to let things fester and I end up just completely thinking about things that I shouldn't be thinking about the entire day. And then my entire day goes to hell. Anyway, this book helped with that whenever I remembered it. That said, check it out. Smallmoves.co forward slash audiobooks, and you can get a free trial with audible.com as well as a free audiobook. I recommend Eat That Frog or any of the other nearly million books that they have in there. Anyway, back to the show. Today's guest is Sue Woodard. Sue, I had the pleasure of meeting Sue for the very first time back in 2003 at an event called Sales Mastery. She was a presenter at the event and has been a more than two decade veteran of the mortgage industry. And I was in the, I was in the mortgage industry at the time Sue is really a special person. She just sort of struck me early on in my sales career as just one of the more authentic people that I've ever really met. And that industry does have a tendency to get some, shall we say, charlatans. I'll leave it put nicely as charlatans. Um, Sue's really great. She has a, an authentic dedication to helping people do better work and also live slightly better lives. She herself is a single mom and she has raised what is what has turned out to be apparently what has turned out to be an absolutely lovely and amazing young daughter and she has done so while being a national sales trainer and a traveling speaker at events dating back almost two decades now. It's actually, frankly, really impressive. So I wanted to talk to Sue about not necessarily just her career, but also how was she able to build efficiencies into her life where she was able to do the things that she did while also being able to raise such a great young girl. Um, that's not an easy feat, especially today where you know, we might not necessarily be latchkey kids, but we are absolutely cell phone kids. And uh, she's she's really done a great job of avoiding that and building efficiencies into her life where she could, with the time that she has, focus 
and spend quality time with her daughter. And how she was able to do that was really well put and highly structured. And she gives all the details about how she's able to do that during the show. This is a very tactical show. You're going to want to take a lot of notes for this one. So feel free to listen to it in the car, obviously. But if you can take a minute and take down some of the notes that she mentions during the show, I highly, highly recommend that. I don't want to get into too many of the details. I want to leave it for the show, but I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Sue and I, we were catching up for the first time in a little while, and it was just really great to hear all the wonderful things that she's up to. She's most recently the CEO of Vantage Productions and is currently in the midst of a Sue Batical, as she calls it. And during the month of December of 2017 this month uh she has made a new decision on a new career move which we may get into in the outro to this show if she so lets me Uh, if not that is fine too with that being said i bring you sue woodard here we go hey this is john lee dumas of eo fire and you're listening to the small moves podcast small steps for big progress let's prepare to ignite Hey, Sue, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, I am so glad to be here with you. Yeah, no worries. The uh, the The audience heard a pretty simple rundown of your illustrious career to this point dur- during the introduction of the show, but um, obviously, you know a little bit more about what you've done with yourself than I do. So, yeah. you know, and the websites only say so much. So what, like, what, what were the, what were the website bios missing or what could you tell the audience about yourself? Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's interesting. I've, I've been in the mortgage industry for 26, almost 27 years now. And, hmm. um, like most people fall into, you know, their industry sometimes very backwards, right? I didn't have any designs when I was running around as a kid on the playground to be in the mortgage industry. Very few people do. Um, but I was actually working at a, a credit union and we kept getting robbed. Like true story, we kept getting robbed. And oh, the God. third time we got robbed, it was my best friend and she was robbed at gunpoint. And I had to go down with her to the FBI and look at mugshots. And it was kind of crazy. And I thought, I need to find a safer job. And the only <laughs> job that was open was in a different branch and it was a mortgage processor. And I had no idea what that was, but I was like, hey, you know, that sounds at least like a safe branch to work in out in the suburbs. So I'm going to go do that. So literally, that's how I got started in the mortgage industry and (laughs) had all kinds of interesting journeys along the way. I was a mortgage loan originator for many years. Love the business because it, it just the thing I love about the mortgage business is you're helping people through the largest financial transaction of their lives. Um, and it's their home. And there's something about that that just still always grabs my heart. It's where their life happens, whether they're single, have kids, whatever that looks like. You know, their their home is where their life happens. And to have a part in that, I think is incredible. So yeah, so I've been in the mortgage business a long time, moved over to the vendor side of things, probably about um, like 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, ended up wound up somehow being the CEO of a mortgage technology company. And uh, now I'm on what I'm calling my subatical, and I'll be diving back into the industry early 2018. What exactly is a subatical? A subatical has been like the greatest time of my life. I have to tell you, I've been, uh, I left my company in May and, um, you know, I just needed a breather. Honestly, it's been, I've had a super high pressure career. And so I have done just the most wonderful things this this summer and fall. Um, plugged in with my family. I mean, I went to Bali. I went to Hawaii. I went houseboating with my family up in the Boundary Waters near Canada. 
I've gone to concerts. I saw Tom Petty, thank heavens. Um, oh really, my God. I'm, I know, right? I'm so jealous. And we just, you know, and I, I dug in with, there's a, a nonprofit that I'm on the board of called Hope for Youth, helps homeless teenagers, spent a lot of time there, did some races, when did a Ragnar, which is a crazy relay race with a team. Um, you know, I had just some great times with my daughter, Emily. It's just, it's been this fantastic time. And, but now, yeah, it's, it's time to get back to work pretty soon. <laughs> so, no, but that's t- a sabbatical. No, tell me about that nonprofit that you just mentioned. What, what's the story uh, there? It's awesome. It's called Hope for Youth. And we work with homeless teenagers. Um, and we really are providing pathways to get them out of their homeless situation. There's actually, believe it or not, right in the state of Minnesota, 6,000 homeless youth on any given night. And, you know, you can only imagine in the winter, um, literally there's kids sleeping outside. I'll never forget a kid told the story um, that he'd been sleeping in a porta potty and then he found out about us and came in and we were able to get him housing and um, get him employment. And it just so it's literally watching lives change right in front of our faces. It's it's amazing. So it's a great organization. I'm really proud to be a part of it. That's incredible. Yeah, is it just a small, small like that? Just sort of based in your town, or is it statewide well, or regionwide? It's growing. We're actually, it's, it's yeah, started right here, um, you know, in the northern suburbs of Minneapolis. But we're already opening um, a second location, and really, our goal is to take the model that we have done. We want to get at the root causes of uh, what causes youth homelessness, so that we're instead of just solving the problem after it's happened, we've done a lot of research and work getting ahead of it, looking at what the leading indicators are. And so we've developed a model that our goal is, our, our vision is that in 10 years, we've really started to walk this out to other communities all across the nation to help them get ahead of the problem as well. It certainly is not a, a Minnesota problem. This is a problem sure. nationally. So uh, and I just have a huge heart for teenagers. And so this has been something really special to me to be a part of. There's a homeless problem in the United States. I know it's hard to, I, hard to I imagine. Had, I, have, I haven't seen that on the news. I didn't. I didn't yeah, know. That. Gosh, well, yeah. it's just there's so much stuff right here at home, and and again, I think it's something that, particularly with my background in the mortgage industry, just home and housing means a lot to me. Yeah. And having raised a, a daughter who's now 20, which I can't believe, um, you know, teenagers are just the most fascinating, wonderful creatures. I just love them, and so it's it's been this just really great organization to kind of plug into. So it's been great. Yeah. It's like, and other, other people's teenagers are even better sometimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. And they listen, they listen to me better. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah. So no, the, that, that's how, that sounds incredible. So now the, the company that you were with, that was Van, is that, was that Vantage? Yeah, Am I remembering people. right? Yep. Most recently it was called Vantage Production. It was Mortgage Success Source is what it was called before that. Before that was uh, Mortgage Market Guide. Um, so really just been a variety of names over the years, but a company I'd been with a long time. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, yeah, because I, when I, I remember when when you and I when you and I first met, just disclosure, everybody, I used to be in the mortgage industry. I was a student of uh, teachers in the industry like Sue and Todd Duncan and Barry Habib and some of the others that were sort of in the industry at the time. And yeah. now at the at the time, I think when we first met, I think you had just affiliated, almost just affiliated with Mortgage Market Guide. At that the time, was, yeah, it was about 2001. Um, One, two, okay. I, yep, I got started, you know, Barry had started the company and I was able to come in pretty early on. And um, we actually brought that to a sale in 2007. So it was actually, we actually closed on it June 30th of 2007. So 
It was a lucky timing. I will say oh, that. I was, I was, I was about to say, yeah. I, I, my, my, my exit, my exit was April of two thousand eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it was my, a- my, my exit probably wasn't as successful as yours, but hey, whatever. Um, <laughs> Interesting time in the industry, that's for sure. A lot of changes, for sure. Very true, very true. So, but one, one of the things that I, the thing that I really wanted to emphasize talking with you about, and that I really want the audience to to hear is that there, there's. We're all busy and there's innumerable sources out there telling people how they can be more productive and more, more, you know, more efficient with their time. But frankly, not a whole heck of a lot of that advice that comes to the people within the world of entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. um, whether, whether that be in the industry that you're familiar with, sales salespeople that are generally maybe not necessarily self-employed per se, but very much entrepreneurial in that, you know, the commission structure lends to that mindset mm-hmm. very well. Yeah. Um, frankly, there's not a whole hell of a lot of emphasis put on the family. There, There's ways to be more productive. There's ways to be more efficient, but none of them seem to be really skewed in the direction of, oh, by the way, I've got, you know, a wife. Yeah. I've got I've got kids. I have I have things, no offense. I have things that are more important than my job. Yeah. You know, absolutely. That and that that's something that's really always stuck out with me about you. Even all the way back all the way, way back then when I saw when I saw you presenting, you know, up on stage, you know, your daughter was the focus of your world like she was the focus of your presentations you talked about her a lot like and that that was some that was something that always really struck me even when i even early on when i was a you know 22 year old 23 year old mortgage originator right out of school that that was something that always just really amazed me like the, those stories and it was funny that you brought up brought up mortgage market guide and and Barry Habib earlier like the your stories about your stories about your daughter and Barry's stories about how he basically screwed up his first marriage by putting you know new sets of tires on his car every 4 months because he was working working like a banshee like he but he was doing he was doing all the things that a lot of the advice out there tells you to do which Absolutely. is you know yeah. you know rush 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 you know be productive be productive be productive and hell that was be- that was before smartphones like yeah. i mean yeah. that, i mean <laughs> i mean now the stuff that the stuff that he was doing to be productive now i mean he'd be he would be a mouse compared to what we're able to accomplish today and you you know you could turn you could turn your car phone uh, car phone haha you could turn your car phones off and you could you know hang up you know unplug your home phone line once right. you got home and you you were able to unplug back then you're not allowed to do that anymore yeah you know it's in, it's almost impossible to do that now like what it, i mean how in the heck is it that you're able to maintain a career that involves a any sort of travel, let alone darn close to full time travel, which is what your your for the the outsider perspective looked like with you, yeah, like yeah. being a, being a national being a national trainer for whether it be Vantage or prior to that, I remember was you know we both had a short stint with CTX as well. Yeah, yep. Um, I mean that your your job your job was to park your butt on an airplane. Yep. And and go places like how do how do you how do you maintain a family relationship through yeah. that? 
Well, and I, you know, I can talk about some of that, but I want to be crystal clear that I certainly didn't always have it right. <laughs> you well, know, who, I mean, does? I, who does? Sure. Yeah, but you know, and I, I remember even having like this, um, you know, kind of, I guess, defining moment where I, I realized I needed to make a change because I was, I was probably, you know, I was giving 150% and, you know, on all ends, I would, you know, go travel and then I'd come home and, you know, be 150% single mom. And I remember having this moment, literally Emily and I were in the car one day and we were getting ready to head off for a vacation and a car cut me off, like cut me off, but mm. then looked right at me and flipped me off. <laughs> and, I was like, and I remember, unfortunately, what happened next was I like unleashed this barrage of really like foul language in my car and my poor daughter. And I remember like, like looking in the rearview mirror and seeing her face just crumple and she started crying. And I just was like, Oh, Sue, you need to do something better and different. So I certainly, and how, how old was she at the time? She was 11 at that time. And so, yeah. And I, you know, I was single momming since she was five and, um, you know, and so what I did is, you know, for, for quite a, a time, uh, we, I had shared custody with my ex. And so I would kind of, again, be a banshee traveling while I was home and then be, be like Uber mom when I was, um, you know, back home from traveling. And so, um, but I, you know, I really made a pretty hard shift at that point because you really get clear on, you know, as much as you get yourself into that zone of telling yourself, Hey, it's about providing and I have to do all this. And there is some truth to that. I mean, there really is. There's, there's a time when, um, you, you know, you got to dig in and you got to put in your time, you know, balance sometimes is relative to where you're at. Sure. And, and sometimes just the, the means by which you have to survive are just, they are what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have these clarifying moments where you say, Nope, I need to be smarter and I need to learn some better ways of doing things so that I'm not strung out so that I'm not freaking out in the car and scaring my child. And so that I'm still able to accomplish what I want to do professionally. So, you know, like I said, I certainly don't want to sound like I've had it all nailed, but I've worked incredibly hard to learn some things so that I could, um, you know, again, I, I hesitate to use the word balance, but so that I really do keep that big priority uh, on the most important job I'll ever have, which is raising a great human being. I mean, I feel like, man, you know, at this point she's 20 and I, I've, you know, I've raised, she's not done cooking, but you know, by and large, I've raised a great human being. And if like yeah. everything else ends, I feel like I win at life. <laughs> yeah, it, it, so. it is. It, it's, it's so fun. And it's so funny how that perspective changes once you have kids mm-hmm. and everybody in the world knows and says that that changes when you have kids, Totally. but you have no goddamn idea how that's actually true until yeah. you have kids. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was, you know, I, I listen, I listened to all those stories early on when I was in the mortgage industry, I did my best to build my mortgage business around the idea of, even though I was, you know, an early 20, early 20 something making more money than I deserve to make at that age. And frankly, and had any, had any earthly idea of how to manage at that age. Like I still did my best to kind of heed the advice of try to build a business as if there is a family waiting at home. Because yeah. if you set, if you set it up wrong early on, that right will on. be the, that'll be the expectation. I tried to do that, but I still didn't get it. I didn't get it. I didn't. Ha- I didn't have kids. And then you know, come April fourteenth, you know, April fourteenth, two thousand fifteen, when I became a dad for the first time, it, it, it's it's like it's like the. Da- it's like the daddy juices kicked in. Like yeah. it's amazing. Like it's, yeah. it completely changed your neurochemistry. It's amazing. Yeah. And you just don't get. No, nope. how get you're there. <laughs> no, I like, yeah. you have no idea how insignificant 
the entire planet becomes when once you have a kid and it becomes it's like the my goal in life is to make that crying color changing slimy ball of flesh that's right there my job is that thing he's like and everything yeah, okay. like and everything else sort of falls by the wayside and then my se- you know my second my second one came this year in may may 3rd of this year and she was even more exotic colors and yeah. <laughs> you know whatever as compared to the first one but you know what at the time it's like it's a ama- it's really amazing how how your how your perspective changes and i yeah. i had no idea what people were talking about i thought i did i had no idea i know you can read all the books and everything but you don't know but yep. You know, and I think for, you know, for anybody listening, honestly, you know, whether you have kids or don't, you know, I think they're, everybody's got something else that they're hugely passionate about. And it's, you know, besides their job. Um, and that's, that's, I think what gets so exciting about, you know, some of the stuff we're going to talk about today is, you know, if you have kids, you know, you already, you already get it. You're trying, you're already caught in this thing of trying to balance your time and be more productive and, you know, do all you can do in all the places you need to. But even if you don't have kids, I think everybody's got something else. Maybe it is, you know, it's a nonprofit they're into, a hobby, whatever it is. You got something else where you want to be more efficient with your time so you can spend time doing the things that that really bring joy to your soul. So that's a, you know, I mean it's it's a it's a cool balance, but it's easy to get out of balance with it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, now that and and obviously when when kind of trying to prioritize what those things are you know within your career assuming assuming that you're in a career where you're given the freedom to sort of delegate some of the the work that you have like what what is wow. you, you you were you and I were talking briefly briefly offline about the about Rebecca like yeah. what what is tell the audience a little bit about that story and sort well, of how that's, how that's sort of impacted your your business and your time. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I mean, that was probably one of the first things that I learned to do and not just in my professional life but in my personal life was delegating things, okay? Because okay. I realized when I was, you know, single momming um and trying, you know, I mean, anybody listening, my goodness, I mean, you know all the things that you need to do. It's like a it's just, you know, your you know, getting, whether you're married or whatever, I mean, it's getting groceries and it's doing this and running to the thing and paying the bills and doing the stuff. And, you know, all of the stuff of life that you need to do personally, and then all the stuff you need to do professionally. And I remember on a, on a, I just, again, yeah, had some blinding flashes of the obvious. And one of them was, you know, super good friend of mine, top producing agent, Rebecca, I was talking to her one day and she's in her car and she's just upset. You know, she's just, oh, I can't believe this. I'm going to be stuck in my car for two hours. And I said, well, what are you doing? She said, well, I'm driving to the south side of the Twin Cities. And, you know, and I said, well, are you like, is it a listing appointment? What are you doing? She's like, no, I'm dropping off flyers. And I said, well, what are you doing? I said, you have an assistant. <laughs> and she said, well, I'm not paying somebody $15 an hour just to drive flyers around. And I remember thinking, you got to be kidding me. You're making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. I mean, I literally said to her, man, you know, she's making 300 grand. And I'm like, you're, you're worth $150 an hour, but yet you're driving those around because you don't want to pay somebody else 15 bucks to do it. And it was just this crazy moment where I realized, Hey, you know, as you said, some people can't do this professionally because they may not be able to delegate things professionally or have assistance, depending on what kind of work that you're in. But I'm a huge believer. I hired my first assistant professionally way before I even knew what I was going to have that person do. But every time I caught myself doing something that was below my hourly wage, um, mm-hmm. and I wasn't paid hourly, but you know, if you make, you know, if you make $200,000 a year, you're making a hundred bucks an hour, hundred grand a year, 50 bucks an hour and so on. You know, anytime it was something less than that, that I hated to do or drag my energy 
down or took me off that, you know, super highway of, of the stuff I, that I, I was uniquely equipped to do, I would give that to my assistant to do. But I really, Jason, even took that to my personal life where, again, super early on, single parenting, I thought, you know what? There's all kinds of things that if I have free time, when I have a few free hours, you know what I don't want to be doing is grocery shopping, laundry, cleaning, vacuuming, scrubbing the tub, you know, doing, you know, all of those things, even running around, getting dry cleaning, all that stuff. And I realized I can pay someone to do that. And then that gives me the ability to have my time with Emily. So we could do the things, spend the quality time, go on the adventures, be at the thing at school where I didn't um, have to say no to those things because I, I literally found a stay-at-home mom and I've had a, you know, a series of them over the years. Somebody comes in for a few hours and they take care of those things. And so I know it sounds like, I think people think you have to be some, you know, like we we're talking about earlier, like some Hollywood star to have, you know, somebody help out. But as a single mom, that was a necessity for me that I had somebody come in even a few hours a week to do those things so that I could keep my focus um, and spend really good quality time with Emily. And so, yeah, early on that, that message of delegation, delegation is for, to me, it's for everyone. You don't have to be I you agree. Know, super wealthy to do that. I agree. And maybe it's one of the, maybe it's just one of those things where it's just an old mentality that stuck around forever, where there's like, when when you, when you, when people think of that, they think, oh, it's like, I'm not rich enough to have a maid. It's like, well, that's not what it is. That's not what it is. And, and thank you. like, and thank God for Craigslist and now, and, and then Angie's list and then all these different services and websites that are out there, you know, you can find, you can find people like, Normal, exactly. normal exactly. human, normal human people that exactly. are like, and, you know, and it's like the, the people I found too, it's been a blessing to their life. You know, they've yeah. been able to have, you know, some extra cash to spend. And and again, it's not, I'm not, you know, I'm not some big fancy, you know, high flute and whatever. I mean, it's not a maid. It's, it's literally someone who's willing to come in and do some of those things. It's good for them and it's good for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we we've had that experience as ourselves, probably roughly roughly in the last year, where we we decided to finally we get some help, you know, d- getting some things done around the house. And oh my god, it's the greatest thing in the world. And it it is it and it's cheap. Look, like if you actually if you actually look around and take recommendations from friends of yours, it is stunningly inexpensive compared to what you might be thinking if you're listening to this okay. like the yeah, you just you just have to look yep. yeah no that's that's great it's funny it i i was laughing a little bit at your your friend rebecca story it's like it was like what are you kidding i'm not gonna pay somebody 15 dollars an hour to do this i would i'd rather spend 150 dollars an hour to scream at my front windshield yeah, like that's so, so much better use of my time yep. it's and i remember you mentioned about your uh anything that was bo- tried to keep anything below your hourly rate yeah. um it's it's funny something something that i mentioned something that i mentioned to people it's like well what one one easy way to sort of balance that out if you're if you're hesitant to outsource it and you know you want to keep everything below your hourly rate one really easy way to do that is to just lower your hourly rate by you know increasing your weekly work hours to about 100 hours a week if you do that your hourly rate is so low you could very easily justify doing everything yourself right exactly so I, I i think i think we should kind of keep keep recommend everybody to do that just work 100 hours a week and trust me nothing will be beneath you <laughs> that's a great point i love it <laughs> Um, so obviously, you know, once you, once you do decide to delegate some of your either personal or professional tasks, 
at again everyone listening shockingly shockingly less money than you might be imagining just take a look mm-hmm. um that that obviously frees you up to do stuff like you mentioned with your daughter with your business with you know whatever whatever might be your particular focus but you know once you have that free time here's here's the thing about doing that and this this was something that we had a little bit of learning curve on our end and i remember something that i had a learning curve with back when i was in the business was once i had that time freed up i didn't know what the hell to do with myself like i i i was yeah. like okay now that there's there's that 4 hour block of the afternoon that i would have otherwise been doing this now it's like yeah okay okay forces you to do the what, the right things <laughs> what do I, what how do i how do i figure that out and so like what what you know how how did you how did you what, was that a process that you revisited when once you started when when Emily came along, I imagine it was welcome to parenthood. Yeah, right. Um, as yeah. compared as compared to early on when you were just sort of starting in the mortgage business and getting yeah. the uh, some initial help back then. Like how how did you how did you what was your I guess screening process for sort of figuring out what to do with that time? Like just kind of figuring out what those things are, optimizing your opportunities. Like, like yeah. picking, the, picking the right things. Like how did, how did you go through that process? Well, I think, you know, on a professional level, I think there are things, especially I've been in some, some form of sales most of my life. And I think there's just those certain rainmaking, um, I guess, things that we do when you're in sales that are the highest and best use of your time. And usually, I mean, one of the things I actually did is I would sit and just kind of lightly time track my time for a few weeks before I hired my first assistant. And I kept it going for a while. And then I would just look at those things and say, could somebody else do these things? You know, could somebody else, you know, do this report? Could somebody else do this paperwork? Could somebody else make these phone calls? Could somebody else have these meetings? Could somebody else, you know, go to this conference? And it became real clear, you know, the kind of things that were the highest and best use of my time, where it was really those things that only I could do. And, um, you know, so I- And for, for, I'm sorry to interrupt, but for people that are listening, what do you mean, what do you mean by time tracking in, in case people that are listening just, don't necessarily know yeah, what Yeah, and I means. didn't get real crazy. I mean, there's like software for it and all kinds, you can get really crazy with time tracking, but I literally- just kept a pad of paper next to me where I would just kind of make notes about, you know, spent this long on a phone call, you know, and I'd maybe have at the end of the day, maybe 25 things written down, something like that, that I'd done over the course of the day. And then it was pretty easy to look back and think back. And I didn't get real scientific with it, but I kind of thought, wait a second, somebody else could make these calls. Somebody else could put this paperwork together. Somebody else could file these things. Somebody else could da, da, da. And I did, you know, a little bit the same at home because, you know, you know, I, I think there's, um, before you delegate something, you have to decide if it's something that gives you joy. You know I mean? I think there's mm-hmm. people who probably like raking leaves gives them mm-hmm. great joy. Like they actually really enjoy it and they like it. And it's, you know, um, oh, yeah. I, I've got, I've got buddy, I've got buddies of mine that, that make, you know, five times the amount of money that I do that right. they, lo- they love changing the oil in their cars. Right. Like they're, yeah. they're like, it, they're like, it's meditative, dude. Like you have no idea what is like, I'm like, I'm, right. yes, I'm, yes, I'm aware. I'm not right. interested. Thank right. you. But yeah. that's their exactly. thing. Yeah. So don't like, don't delegate those things out. If that's something that, you know, is a good thing for you and you like to do it and it just kind of takes your mind away to a different place, keep those things. But it was the things at home that I just, again, you know, I mean, and, you know, I don't like, I don't like scrubbing my toilet or my tub, you know, it's not my favorite. I don't actually, I don't love doing laundry. And, you know, it's like, man, if I can bless somebody else's life by paying them some money to come in and do it, and it frees up my time so that, you know, on a personal level, it was real clear to me, you know, 
um, you know, my time that I was spending primarily at that point, really with Emily, but also other family members and friends and my community. And, you know, again, it evolves over time, you know, where you want to plug that, that quality time into. Um, but I'm a huge time blocker too. You know, I mean, I know we touched on that. Okay. Huge thing for me that when there's something that I know personally or professionally that is really important to me, I, I put it, I time block it. And, you know, that's something I remember just hearing from Todd Duncan and so many other people over the years. It's certainly not a new concept, but I time blocked everything. I mean, I really did like to the point that if I knew there was an open night, but it was like a night that, you know what, Emily and I have been talking about playing, you know, she loved the game. Sorry. Like, remember that weird board game? We're big board game people, but she loved sorry because she'd beat me every time. So I put on my thing. It's like, this is the night we're going to like make pizza and eat or play sorry. You know, this is like our going to be what we do that night because just sometimes we have these intentions of getting together with a friend, volunteering in our community, making the visit to your grandma that lives three miles, three hours away or whatever Mm -hmm. those things are, you know, oh, we're going to bake cookies. We're going to do these things. Time does not just magically appear for, and, and then you just, suddenly like organically say, Oh, well, look at us baking cookie. You know, I had to, at least for me, I had so much going on in my life, but so many things that I wanted to do. I literally had to, I would make a list of the things I knew I wanted to do. And then I, I would block those things out on my calendar, even working out, even getting, you know, my nails done. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. if I'm going to feel professional and, you know, I, I had done a lot of public speaking and so forth. Well, you know, I need my nails to look good. So I made that part of my business plans. I'm going to block time in there and I'm going to get my nails. Done. <laughs> I'm not going to feel guilty about it. So that helped me a lot in terms of making sure that, you know, my, my dreams of what I wanted to do with my daughter or, you know, per- personally, otherwise, or professionally didn't stay dreams, but they actually mm-hmm. became reality because I wrote them down. Yeah. And and it's, it's important. I I like how you pointed out about whether it be working out or getting your nails done or doing the stuff with your daughter. Like those are obviously things that you need to balance out with what you're doing professionally, but the, it's also something that they're also the things that are going to help keep you healthy and keep you sane. Like back in, back in, back in episode 16 of the podcast, which was one of the more somber ones that I've that I released. It was just before I released it the Tuesday, just before Thanksgiving. And we talked about uh, how to manage grief going into the holidays because it tends to be a time. It tends to be a time of the year when we tend to be a bit more triggered for, um, there's not more, there aren't more bad things that happen around that time of the year. It's just that it's, there's a lot more stimuli like, you know, he's like, we always went over to grandma's house for Thanksgiving for 45 years in a row. And now this time this year, grandma's not in that armchair, you know, smacking yeah. your dad upside the head with a newspaper anymore. Like yeah. that, I, you know, it's like, I, it's like, I, I'd make it an appropriate joke and she would hit me on the shoulder a lot harder than a woman of her frame you would possibly imagine her being able to do and you know this year it's like you're getting out of thing you're getting out of thanksgiving without a welt on your arm and it just doesn't feel right yeah. you know it, it's interesting that one of the one of the points that um my guest on that show laura jack said was that you need to do proactively do things that are good and nice for yourself to help, to help keep you in the frame of mind. And especially this time of year, everybody thinks that that's a bad idea. It's like, wait a second, it's the holidays. I need to be generous. I need to be helpful for other people. I need to be giving. I'm like, well, you know what? Pardon my language. If you walk into a room and you're not an asshole, that's a gift to everybody in the room. (laughs) 
So like you have to take care of yourself. Like you have to take care of yourself. You have to work out. You have to eat right. You have to like in your case, like you mentioned, it's like, it's like, I want to get my nails done. I want to work out. I need to see a trainer. I need to say whatever it is. Those things are keeping you as a kind and balanced human being. Absolutely. That is, that is an extraordinary gift to your daughter and to the people that you work with and to the rest of the people around. It's like, like if you're if you're never working out, you're eating like crap. Your nails haven't gotten done in three months, and you haven't gotten your hair cut in the same amount of time. You're not going to be a happy woman to be around. Yeah. No, you know? no, you so. nailed it. That's exactly right. To bring your best self to whatever you're going into, um, you know, personally, professionally, and to to give it the focus and the energy, and to feel like you're you're on and you're your best self. Yeah, there's gifts you need to give yourself, and people shouldn't feel bad about that. Don't feel you know, don't feel bad about treating yourself to that time and that space that you that you need, especially as a parent, especially as a busy professional. Um, you know, treat yourself to that time that that organically is not going to show up on its own. There's always sure. going to be a to do list waiting for you. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. yeah it's it's uh, um two and two of the things obviously that I think help with that as well. I mean, obviously, you know. Cr- hiring, you know, hiring help. That's obviously on you. That's something that you personally initiate, you know, time block, you know, tracking your time and then blocking out your time. Obviously that has to be something that you personally initiate for yourself. But at, at some point when, if you're trying to dramatically restructure structure or restructure your life, you kind of have to have some buy-in by the other people that are around you as well. Like in your case, you know, in your case, it's your daughter. You know, I don't know how it's like, I don't know how important there are other people in the world are in your, in your life, but like your daughter is the one that I hear you talk about the most, but for some people it's their in-laws or their brother or their parents or in aging parents or otherwise, whatever it is like, but you, you know, you want to have people around you that are going to be supportive in some of the, in some of these things. Like, what are some things, that like is that is that an area where you have done any work with regards huge. to kind of create creating a circle of people around you that oh, would huge. actually be helpful with that? yeah like, yeah just you know especially how do you go how do you go about doing that well you know there, there's two different things that i'll share i mean i certainly have you know as, as a single mom um you know my gosh it just i i have you know i have a great group of support and community just around me that just with you know, friends and friends with kids around the same age, you know, you kind of get plugged into this network where, you know, I swear it really does take a village <laughs> sometime to, to run a, um, to operate a life. And, you know, we, we, I always plugged into that on a personal level where we would, um, you know, just be really connected with each other and, you know, look out for each other and help each other with kids and things like that. You know, I think both personally and professionally, one of the big things that, that I've done over the years was created what I call a personal board of directors. Um, again, not a new concept. And it's interesting when you think about it, Jason, because I would say that everybody listening right now, whether they realize it or not, already has a personal board of directors, meaning that you've got a group of people around you that are the people that you, um, as you said, Jason, were, you know, that you get, you know, kind of looking for buy-in on maybe what you're doing or that you bounce things off of and, um, and again, it, this may just look like in your life, you know, you're getting together with your buddies, you're having a beer and you're talking about things, whatever. Well, you know, you've got a personal board of directors, but I question sometimes, and I got real intentional about creating a personal board of directors, meaning people, there's a group of people that really are like a board of directors is for a company, a consultative group, 
um, where you, you know, bring an idea to it and they, you know, give you good guidance and kind of push back on things, make you look at things from different angles, lend support if needed. Same thing in my personal life where when I was, um, you know, wrestling through different decisions to make or different um, challenges I was having or different ideas or, you know, whatever it was. Um, I had a group of people and I didn't necessarily tell them, okay, you are my personal board of directors and it's you eight people. And we didn't get together formally. And the reason I say I wouldn't tell them is because sometimes you need to swap people out over time. <laughs> you know, you may need, to bring in, <laughs> may need to bring in other people, but I got real intentionally about having um, what I knew was a list of people that I could reach out to and get good advice and good, good guidance on things. And I intentionally found some folks who don't necessarily look at the world in the same way that I do, who, um, you know, live maybe different lives than I do. Cause I didn't want to assemble a group of people that, you know, are just like me to just say, exactly. oh, yeah. yeah, good job. Sure. Sue. Good job. Sue. Sounds good. Yeah. Thumbs up. You know, that doesn't really help. And sometimes I think, you know, like, I can I can get that by po- by posting a picture of a puppy on Facebook. Exactly. That's not what I'm looking right. for. Yeah. Right. And and sometimes your friends, you know, um, you know, will your friend circle often will be like, yeah, it sounds good. You're doing good. Whatever. It takes a lot for somebody to push back. But when you're going to someone very intentionally and really, um, you know, asking for their guidance on things, and you know that person maybe looks at the world a little differently, um, you know, it's really helpful. It, it's been really helpful to me over the course of my career to be very intentional about that group of people. Um, and, and getting their guidance on the things that, um, that I've, you know, again, been challenged with over time, or just even as I'm trying to weigh out decisions. Um, that's just a huge thing. I think everybody listening, as I said, you've already got a personal board of directors, but are you being real intentional about maybe having a group that looks a little different than just your friend circle um, to, to bounce things off of in your life? It's been great for me. Can you get, can you give me a couple of examples? And obviously I won't, I won't, uh, I won't force you to kind of use people's names specifically, but if you like, because the, the thing that struck me about what you said was to keep the emphasis on having that group be people that aren't, aren't necessarily like you, that don't necessarily agree with you on everything that don't necessarily see the world the same way as you do. Well, we we are you know we're we're all we're all we're all great you know we're all apes you know we we kind of tend to stick with stick within our tribe which is yeah. we can say that that's kind of the root of a lot of the turmoil that we have in the world today but whatever that's a conversation for another year yeah um, but that being said like how do how do you that's something that I strive to as well like that I I tend to be very open with regards to the types of people that I accept into my life in a pretty extreme range. Like there, there are, there are some people that I have in my life that others in my life look at me as if I'm a monster by having this person here or by having, you know, whatever. I'm like, I need to hear it. If you like, I like, I want what I, I view and I won't, I won't dig into the details, but like I view politics that way. I talk to people, I talk to people with such extreme, such extreme perspectives on everything from every angle. Like if I were to ever get these people together in a room, everyone would be dead by the end of the night. Like there, there, like there'd be no way that these people and that kind of, you got a good, you got a good group then. 
Yeah. And that, that's, that's a, that's a very, that, that's what kind of triggered me to bring that up was, you know, the, the point where you said is like, you don't exactly announce to these people that they're all the, you know, yeah. sort of this thing, right. because if you, if you did first, they'd kill you, then they go over there and kill them. Right. It's like, that's, you know, but so how do you, how, how do you kind of go about picking those people? Cause you said sometimes you got to swap them out. It's like, well, what, what, what is that criteria for you? Like, how do you find these people? Yeah. I, I think a lot of it, Cause is- it's not necessarily like, it's not, it's not necessarily, you know, your boyfriend or your best friend, or no. they might be, they might be there. They might, they might be there, yep. but like, what's the criteria? It's not just your friends. Like, how do you find these people? No, I think, you know, that some of the criteria I use is somebody who either knows me and, and is close enough to me and cares enough about me and is, is so much in my circle. Like, you know, I think of my brothers or my father, um, they care so much about me that they don't have a problem pushing back when I'm being stupid and saying, Nope, you are off base on that because they love me. Right. You get to kind of your friend group and sometimes people, you know, maybe aren't as as eager to tell you things like that. So I think sometimes you need to have people that are close enough to be really honest with you and courageous enough to, to know your relationship will last them maybe pushing back on something. Then I kind of go out a tier and there are people that I just respect um, professionally and personally that I've had the opportunity to meet either through, um, you know, business dealings or the nonprofit, or, um, you know, I think my personal trainer right now is, is one of, you know, the people that I really consider to be on my personal board of directors because they are a little bit outside. They know me well enough, but they, they don't know what my predisposition is for them Mm -hmm. to just tell me what I want to hear. Okay. They're Mm -hmm. people that I respect what they've done in their own lives, in their businesses. They're people of integrity and character but I can bring them a situation. And I have to be careful sometimes how I bring it, not to say, well, don't you agree that this is the right thing <laughs> to do? Sure. Your, 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 language, your language matters. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And just to say, this is what I'm really wrestling with. And, you know, I'd love to hear your, any thoughts or insight that you have on it. And, you know, these don't always have to, you know, in fact, my conversations with people on this are never formal. Um, they're very informal, but it is, um, as I said, it's that real tight group. And then that real kind of outer group um, that, um, are just people that I have a lot of respect for, but I know they'll be honest with me because they don't necessarily have skin in the game with whatever my decision is. Yeah. It's like, it, it, you don't, you don't need, you don't want to word it. It's like, Hey, I heard about the, I heard about this, this farm that's outside of town. I'm, I'm working with a nonprofit to try and get it shut down. Like, it looks like they, they feed live chickens to dogs all day long. Like, I, I think that's absolutely terrible. I'm thinking about getting involved to, to help them stop it. Like, do you think that's a good idea? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, I'm like, uh, yeah, does. Sure. How the <laughs> hell do you expect them to answer that question? It just, you know, it's like, is like loaded loaded question anyone yeah exactly exactly but you know that the board of directors the other function that they serve for me is not just being a sounding board and and giving me good guidance but they also really provide accountability um Mm. you know sometimes when i need accountability to follow through on something um i am a Oh, I am like the, I have been a great procrastinator. I, I like to say I put the pro in procrastination. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's something that I have, you know, learned how to wrestle to the ground. Um, but part of it is using this group too, that if there's something that is important to me that I need to get accomplished and I'm going to need to take an action and move forward on it. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. I'll use not all of the people, but some of those people and say, you know, I'm going to tell you, cause I'm going to say this out loud. I'm going to say it to you. I'm going to do that by, you know, Friday the 15th. Um, mm-hmm. and so we'll check back because I'm going to do that. And they say, okay, I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> say, okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's a, you know, it, it, accountability, I think is just a huge part of it as well. 
is it are the, is there any is there anything else that you do to sort of help help kind of stave off the uh the the demon of procrastination like is oh is, gosh, so is, is specific is specifically the the board of, your personal board of directors is that the only way that you kind no, of attack that beast know, or are there other ways there's so many things and you know i mean this is something that i i have um i have all kinds of techniques that you know really go into how to get rid of procrastination you know one of them this is just like a simple little thing but we've done this around the house and emily would just giggle if she heard me talking about this or she'd probably groan and roll her eyes in real life we would do something for example just a stupid quick thing but we call it the hour of power like when okay. all of a sudden it's like you know her room was getting dirty and there's too much you know stuff stacking up and this and that and but it's kind of like oh yeah i'll do it later all that stuff i would be like okay we're doing an hour of power and i'd literally set the timer on the microwave for the stove for an hour or i'd set a you know little egg timer and i'd be like okay just for an hour that's all we have to do is just an hour we're just gonna kick butt we're gonna get all this stuff done and then we're gonna stop when the hour is up and then we're going to go do something fun. But for this hour, we're going to have this hour of power. <laughs> so, so we would do it. And sometimes I do that, you know, even now that she's not, you know, she's off at college, but sometimes you just need to chunk things down. Um, there's a great saying I love, um, beware the distant elephant, because even huge projects look like they're small when they're way out in the distance. But sometimes you have to chunk those things down and just power through for an hour. If it's something that you're procrastinating on, you know, just take that one take that one step and, and spend that hour. And, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, sometimes we get, uh, we take action because we get motivated, like we get motivated and then we take action. But I find mm. very often the opposite is true, where if I start taking action, then I suddenly get motivated. <laughs> you know, once I get moving and I start, you know, doing it, then suddenly I get motivated. It's just, I'm sure like anybody listening, if you've ever gone to the gym, you know, 95% of my effort is getting myself to walk in the door. Walk in the door. Right? Absolutely. And then once I'm there, yeah. you know, I took the action, I got there, and suddenly I feel motivated. It's like, well, I'm here. And, you know, the people mm -hmm. I like to work out with are here. So, you know, so the hour of power, that's kind of a goofy one, but that's certainly something that, uh, you know, that's definitely something we've used um, over the years. And um, yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good one. You'll need that just as your kids. Yeah. Older. I I, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I'll, 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 I'm definitely taking, taking a note of that. I'm, I'm sure he's like, I'm sure that that's a strategy that worked wonders for a teenage girl. Great, yeah, it works. Uh -huh. It still works now. You know, she's coming home this weekend. I'm sure we'll kick in, but, uh, um, but I think also, you know, another thing is just, um, you know, my gosh, we get so much information that comes at us now, and you know, I love reading, I love books, I love, you know. I, I constantly I'm going to conferences and I get magazines and periodicals and I really learned how to, um, I remember my brother actually said something to me once because um, we were talking about some book and it was whatever the latest business book was that was out at that time. And he said, you know, but how many people like just read these books and then they go back to doing exactly the same thing Nothing. that they've always been doing. And I thought, wow, you know, that's, it's true. And it's really profound because I was at that moment looking at a stack of books I just read and like, oh, look at all these books. But I was doing literally nothing different. And so I really am always on a mission. If it's a magazine, if it's a book, if it's a conference that I'm going to, a speaker, whatever it is. And I hope even that people would, you know, do this here, you know, grab one thing. I mean, kind of take your notes or take that book and grab, grab something that you can do differently as a result of having read that book. 
you know, if it's a fiction book and you're doing it for enjoyment, you know, great. And sometimes, honestly, you might read a book and be like, wow, that guy's philosophy stinks. And I don't want to do it. Yeah. It's like, that guy, it's like, that's not as, not at all as insightful as, as the, uh, the cover blurb made it sound. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But it's, you know, there's so many, um, you know, like I said, I'm just a voracious reader, but I just think it's very common that, um, and I've had this happen too, you know, all of a sudden the stack of magazines is six inches thick. And so what I'll do is I, you know, I go through the magazine, I just tear something out. If it's an article that I want to share, read again, do something out of, and then I just throw the rest away. Same thing with the book. I make sure that I'm making a note about what is it that I'm going to actually go do differently now that I've read this um, conference. You know, what is it that, that literally is something you can do? And then I always like at a conference, I put the note in a different place. Like I will, instead of putting it in my conference binder, because that conference binder is like a death trap for your ideas. Oh right? God, it's awful. <laughs> so, God, it's awful. I remember that. Like, I remember that when I was in the mortgage business, I was like, oh my God, that was like a plague. Like every, every event that I would go to had a gigantic yeah. freaking binder of papers yeah. just bound that it, like, it, and it, it, it's so many papers with so many pages and yeah. so many notes and, yes. you know, to, to do's all scheduled throughout the thing. And that, that by the way, you got to pack in a freaking suitcase and fly home yeah. with somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Somehow, exactly. yeah. it's like you, you're you're giving you're given a series of one, two, or three binders that are bigger than the suitcase that you flew there with, right. and then you have to somehow get it home. By the time you get it home, it goes on a bookshelf, and then you go That's right back to doing it. what you were doing before. That's just it. Is you put it on a bookshelf like you're starting a, a library, and then you don't actually dig in there again because you come home and you know you got voicemail and email and everything else is waiting for you. So I would always I tear things out. You know I don't tear things out of books, but I I will you know write the idea down, but I put it somewhere somewhere else. Like when I was at a conference, I would write the idea down on a piece of paper and then I'd stuff it like into my pocket or into my purse or somewhere else that would be not in that binder. <laughs> so then I would something, something conspicuous where yes. you'd stumble across. Yes. It. Or better yet. I mean, now these days with, you know, our phones, I actually would start time blocking out. It's like, here's something I want to do, or I want to dig more into this, or I need to, um, you know, this is the action that I'm going to take based on this idea. And it's going to take me an hour to figure it out. So I'm going to time block it right now for a day next week. And so I'd pop it on my calendar right from your smartphone. <laughs> but that's, a, that's a great taking idea. Taking that action right there is is really, really critical. Just grabbing the action and doing it. Yeah, no, that's great. That that's right right in line with there's there's a uh, a podcast that I listened to called the Jocko Podcast. It was it's hosted by a former Navy SEAL commander who is equals uh, freedom. Discipline equals freedom. I'm I've got the first edition of his of his new book that just came out. <laughs> Yep, I love it. Uh, I, I ordered. I've got it as well. I'm looking at it sitting on my desk. Haven't read it. Yet. Yep, yep, yep. That's it's funny. It's right. It's right here on my bookshelf. But except I actually read it before I put it on my bookshelf. <laughs> yeah, <Good> man. <laughs> it's like it's like unlike a lot of people. It's like wow, that's a really great book. Let me put it up here and I'll read it soon. And you know what does soon ever become? Right. Anyway, yeah, that's that's funny that you listen to. Him. I, I love. Yeah, I love his stuff. But anyway, um, yeah, it's like let let's it's like. You, you want to launch strategy and you want to try to fi- formulate a plan on how to do something. And uh, then you have to think about structuring the plan and what time to launch the plan. Let's people spend a lot of time planning and not really a lot yeah. of time doing anything. And I remember he, he threw out a Twitter video one time where he's like, how about, he's like, I, how about this for a launch plan? Go. Yeah. He was like, <laughs> give, that, give, that pl- give that plan a try. Yes. You know, <laughs> this is like- another great book um, that I love, which is uh, Eat That Frog 
by Brian Tracy. And I know that's a, gr- that's a great, that's a great book. Yeah, Actually, yeah. I've, I, you're the second guest that I've talked to yeah. recently that have mentioned that. Book. Yeah, no, it's my favorite, but the whole, you know, the whole point is based on this African proverb that says, you know, if you, um, you know, if you have to eat a frog, you know, eat it, eat it first thing in the day, because then you will have gotten out of the way. The worst thing yeah. you had to do all day. The, the worst thing you had to do was done first thing in the morning. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. The brilliant. Yeah. Brian. I mean, I love Brian Tracy for that. Just a lot of simplicity. You know, I, I've got a term I use, simplementation. It's like, you know, how do you make it simple, but actually implement? Simplementation. <laughs> Brian Tracy. Oh, that's funny. Like, it, it was like another, another uh, Minnesota, it was like Minnesota um, yeah. info drop there. Yeah. That's suism. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. <laughs> right. So, but. By the way, speak, side note, welcome welcome to my brain. It's like the uh you, you mentioned that you're from the Twin Cities. Now, are you from the Twin Cities or did you move there? I am. No. Um I I actually every winter wonder um why people move here. Why but, you're still here? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think about that too, right? But no, my my whole family is from Georgia, actually from the south, but my mom and dad when they got married moved to Minnesota and we rediscuss it every winter as I ask them why that was such a good idea. But now Minnesota is wonderful, but it's, I, I have always said, I'll never stay here my whole life, but you know, it gets a little trickier in real life to think about actually relocating elsewhere when you've got, you know, my daughter's here likely to stay in the state. She likes it here. Uh, my folks are here, you know, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I definitely oh, yeah. I won't stay here for winters for the rest of my life. Sure. I was actually going to ask you, you mentioned that she was away at school. She's away at school. Yeah, she's away at school. What, a couple what, hours away. What, what, okay. So, she, but she's still in Minnesota. Still in Minnesota, but just far enough away uh, where it's not, you know, where it's better for both of us. Gotcha. So you, it's like, so it's like you don't have to do all of the laundry, only the weekend. No, laundry. no, no. You know what? Help, yeah. help birds leave the nest. I remember somebody telling me that when she graduated and it's true. You know, what if, what if Emily would have said to me, mom, I just can't stand to leave you and I'm going to live in your basement forever. And it's going to, you know, <gasps> that, that got me over my, uh, you were like, wow, what did I do wrong? Right. Exactly. So, you know, <laughs> so it's good. It's good to, you, you know, you want your kids to grow up and launch into the world and, and she has, you know, she has, she's doing great. Yeah, no, that's great. It's funny. My, my, my only, my only experience, my limited experience with Minnesota was me thinking that people were exaggerating about the winters because I got hired, I got hired at one company at some gigantic, you know, transnational, like massive mortgage bank early on in my career. And they had a training center in Minnesota where they would basically ship all the new originators from around the country to um, just outside of Minnesota or just outside of downtown Twin Cities for for two weeks right when they right when they get hired and right when they get hired just to go ahead and uh, get them used to taking like massive amounts of applications and learn how to do that efficiently and so on and so forth but I went there in May it was May and I was like it's beautiful here. Like, I don't know what I like. I don't know what you people are talking Like, I don't know what you people are talking about. Yeah. You joke about like the yeah. average temperature being, you know, the average temperature being 12 degrees year round. Like, I have no idea what your people are talking about. Yeah. You're exact. You're exaggerating. You're insane. Yeah. Now let's rewind prior to that. A couple of years back in 2001, the summer of 2001, I went and spent a summer in Paris. Um, I spent, well, no, three weeks in Paris by myself. Wow. And I met a family there from Duluth, Minnesota. Oh yes, Duluth, which is a little further, which is a little further north. Yep. 
And um, for those unfamiliar, like right near Superior, Wisconsin, right on the tip of Lake Superior. So let's just call it a little bit chilly. Yeah. They were they were from there. I befriended the daughter of that family, and it was the daughter, mom, grandmom, and great aunt. Like it was the four the four of them there, um, in the same hotel as me, and I was I was there by myself. Befriended them. Have been very good friends ever since. And several years later, this was, I believe, 2002 or 2003. The um, Me and the daughter, uh, Sarah, we've been trying to figure out a time to reconnect because we were, you know, first time stateside. Let's, you know, let's maintain our friendship. Right. And she was like, why don't you come up and visit? I'm like, sure. When? He's like, well, there's a really neat thing that we're doing this that's going on in a couple of months called the Winter Carnival. Is it the Winter Festival Winter or the Winter Carnival? The Winter Carnival in the Twin Cities. And it's really, really cool. They make this life-size castle out of ice blocks. (laughs) And I'm like, that that sounds amazing. Uh. And she sent me all these pictures. She's like, it's super, super cool. You should really come then. I'm like, okay, cool. I get up there and it is the most horrifying experience of my life. Like I didn't have – I didn't have – like the you joke about not having clothes good enough for cold enough weather. I didn't have enough clothes layered on top of everything I owned for a winter right. that that was that that cold. Right. And but I I was I was a trooper, you know, I was a trooper, sure. and I I went and we walked around the castle and it was amazing. And I my 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 boots froze to the ground a couple of times, but I got past it. And then. I asked, but the the place was packed. This was night. This was nighttime during the week. This was probably a Thursday night, and we got to this place, and it was mobbed. The entire courtyard of this castle was mobbed. Yeah. Outside was mobbed. I was like, so I asked her. I was like, why don't they do? Because she she insinuated that they don't do it every year. They're like they don't do it every year, but they're doing it this year. So you should you should come to see it. It's really something to see. That was kind of her pitch to me that got me to come up. And uh, when my, when I got there, I was like, "This thing has got to be a boon for the city, like re- like oh, yeah. tourist revenue, tourist revenue, and like it was twenty bucks to get it, like it was ten or twenty bucks to get in or something like that." Times however many thousand people I saw roaming around me, I was like, "This is a boon! Like, why don't they do this every year?" And then, unfortunately, I got the answer, which was they can only do it in the winters when it's cold enough for all of the local lakes to freeze eighteen inches thick so that they can carve out the ice blocks big enough to build a castle out of. And I'm like, note to self, yeah. never, never, ever, never, never, I ever know. visit Minnesota the years that they have the winter carnival. Yeah. <laughs> we are the land of blonde hair and blue noses, as we say. Oh. It is, uh, yeah, it's it's a unique thing. It's, it's oh, Minnesota's odd. My- my good gracious! It was a wonder. It was a wonderful experience. It was super, super fun, and I love. And I'll, I'll be cliche and say I loved the people when I was there. It was a wonder. Minnesota, nice. you know, that's the, what we do. That is, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, no, that was that was fun. So, um, I, I, and I know you don't have all day, so I do want, I do want to, I don't want to be respectful of your time, but. Um, for people that are, for people that are listening that are really just trying to figure out that might be in the exact same position as you, whether being, being a single mom, raising a daughter, obviously you're getting closer to the end of your absolute commitment to that time at her, you know, her now being in college, but you know, you've been, you've been at this a while. Um, 
So do you, I mean, do you have any other sort of like closing advice or anything that we yeah. might have missed you know, I would for people that are listening that just a couple of things. I mean, I do think balance is relative. I think, I think sometimes there's this big move, you know, that I see out there where, you know, and people make it look like they're, Oh, they're so balanced. And I, you know, I probably made it look like I've been oh so balanced over the years. And I think balance is really, it's very relative. Um, there's just, there's seasons in your life where you're going to be more focused on one thing than another. And, um, but sometimes you just got to get through, but you know, the couple of things I would say is that, you know, schedule your actions and schedule your pauses. Um, meaning just be really smart with your calendar. If there's something that, you know, you want to do, and it's just, you know, whatever it's making cookies with your kid, put it on your calendar and don't just wait for that time to organically show up. Cause it probably won't. Um, and schedule the pauses for yourself as well. So schedule the, the things you want to make sure you do personally, professionally, um, but schedule in you know, the time that you need to be the best you as well. And don't beat yourself up when you get, get out of balance temporarily, just pull it back, you know, pull it back where it needs, needs to be. And, you know, I also think Jason, for me, you know, mindset is so in, it's just so critical. Um, and I know it just sounds so cliched to be like, you know, show gratitude and whatever, but you know what? It, it hasn't been easy. I've had a stressful career. I've had, sure. um, I mean, I like turned gray like so long ago. Like if somebody looks at my website, you know, I look like I'm blonde and everything and, and I used to be, but, um, you know, I've had a stressful career and it's been hard work. You know, a lot of it is hard work. And what I've found is that my mindset and where my head is at is, um, it's just, it's, it's a hundred percent difference in terms of what my productivity is going to be that day. And also, um, how I'm going to show up with, with my daughter. And, you know, the thing with kids is, you know, they're, they're your kids, but they're, you know, they're watching and it matters, you know, it matters how you show up. And it's not that you can't let the real you hang out and, you know, we all lose it sometimes, but I just think, you know, there's, there's little things, um, you can do just, you know, giving somebody else a compliment, you know, really listening to somebody else, smiling at somebody else in a store, um, you know, and I think this, you know, I think this podcast is coming out, you know, probably right after the holiday season as we kick off a new year. Um, yep. you know, so we're just in this busy time where everybody's overwhelmed and everybody's frantic. But if you just take a little time, um, and just, you know, be kind to other people and, and be thankful to other people and be grateful for the things that you have in your life and, and don't be afraid to say things. You know, I love to tell somebody in the store, I love that shirt you have on. That's so cool. Or, you know, just to, to, you know, just engage, you know, sometimes just say the thing. If you're thinking about, um, you're thinking somebody looks good, tell them so. Cause you know, my gosh, I remember telling a lady once that, you know, she was this older lady coming out of a store. She's had these beautiful eyes. And I told her so I said, man, you know, you've just got the most beautiful eyes. She said, nobody's told me that for probably 20 years. And I thought, wow, you know, and you just never know the little things that you can do that could make a huge difference in somebody else's life. But it, it feeds me as well. You know, it makes me, um, you know, when I'm feeling down, the best thing I can do is go, you know, try to figure out a way to show gratitude to, to another person or say something or do something kind for somebody else. Because before I know it, my, my mood is lifted back up. <laughs> so, sure. yeah. Sure. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, one last question that I've got for you, and it's a, it's a question that I ask everybody on that comes on the show and it can be related to your business. It could be related to some of the amazing stuff that you've done during your sabbatical. Um, you know, or, or it could be, it could just be something for, it, it could even be something with, you know, with your daughter. It doesn't necessarily have to be subject matter specific or though it could be, 
um, what per, because getting back to the concept of this entire show, going back to the start of it is trying to find sort of like the small incremental changes that people can make that will make a biggest difference over time. What purchase um, have you made in recent memory of a hundred dollars or less that's had the most dramatic impact in some some or all areas of your life like it could be you know i could be a billing system for clients it could be something that helps you know keep your calendar straight with people that you're delegating your time delegating work to my one example that i i always love to use from early on in the show is a buddy of mine russ russ comer is a um He's a he's a government contractor by day and a stock trader. Mm-hmm. Um, technically not by night because you have to trade during the day. <laughs> but anyway, um, that would be funny. But anyway, the the point we we when he was on the show, we spent like an hour and ten minutes talking about nothing but stock trading. And then when I got to this question, he brought up the twenty five dollar Nature Sound noisemaker that got his six month old to right. sleep through the night for the first time ever, that. and that that was the, that was the thing that was that made the most dramatic impact on his life, and he stood by that to the death. I love it. So, so literally, it can be anything. But can you can you think of anything that is low low dollar impact, high life impact that? Uh, yeah, that you can recall? You know, I, I will I'll tell you the thing that I thought about, and this is, it's kind of particular to me, but maybe it's something else that might help other people. But, you know, I've got this thing that, you know, we didn't really dig into um, today, but I've kind of got this dot technique, D-O-T, right? Where okay. when there's something that I'm really, really want to get done. And I try to figure out how do I need to break this thing down? I use the initials D-O-T, meaning, you know, and what it stands for is first, the D is for define, like really get clear on what it is that you're trying to accomplish and make sure that, you know, again, bump it off your board of directors if you need to. The O is Mm -hmm. for operationalize, meaning, you know, do all of some of those things we talked about, time block, put it on your calendar, you know, do the hour of power, whatever it is, make the investment maybe in something that you need to to ensure you're going to do this. And then the T is for take action. Okay. And uh, the dot also stands for do one thing, dot, do one thing. So when you're stuck, just do one thing, D-O-T, do one thing. So my, my thing that I, I bought that actually, this sounds goofy, but it's been a great thing for me is I bought a roll of gold dot stickers and I have them in places to remind me. I have one on the back of my phone. I have one in the corner of my mirror in my bathroom. I have one on, um, you know, on something that's real close to my, my nightstand so that it reminds me, it just, just reminds me. And when I go, if I go do a speaking engagement and I talk about this particular technique, you know, I've given out, you know, oh my gosh, I don't even know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these gold dots off this one roll that I bought because this resonates with people and they want that. I like really simple visual things that remind me of what it is that I need to do. And so as goofy as it is, I have this little roll of gold dots that I've, used myself, put in places where I need the reminder um, to make that call, to say that thing, to take that action, to put it on my calendar, to move forward with something, to get out of bed and actually go to the gym, you know, those, those things. So I've used them. I've shared them with other people, but, but that weirdly has had the biggest impact in my life in the last, you know, last six months. That is amazing. No, that's fantastic. I got, I got, I have to check that out myself actually. I'll send you a gold dot. Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So no, th- this is this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. If the if the audience wants to try and find you or say hi or yeah. 
find find out what it is that you're doing these days after your soon to be ended sabbatical is up. Well, certainly people can link with me on LinkedIn. I'm Sue Woodard, W-O-O-D-A-R-D. But you can also come to my website, which is suewoodard.com. Again, it's S-U-E-W-O-O-D-A-R-D.com. Or you can email me, Sue at, you might have guessed it, suewoodard.com. Sue at suewoodard.com. So feel free to reach out. And your and your website your website just got a just got a facelift. Didn't it, it did, yes, a long overdue facelift. Just uh, you can learn a little bit more about just speaking and some of the other things that I'm up to. Awesome, awesome. Sue, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has really been great. Jason, thank you. It's been just a pleasure to spend time with you. I'm just I'm smiling ear to ear just because I love I love talking to you and you've got so much good stuff and I'm just really honored to have had this time with you and and with your audience. Thank you so much, Sue. Take care. All right, bye bye. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Small Moves Podcast. I really had a great time chatting with Sue today. I really hope you guys got a lot out of that conversation as well. This was a pretty tactical conversation. Sue really provided a lot of really great value and really great ideas on ways to sort of free yourself up a little bit, or at least ways to streamline things so that you can try to figure out how to give more time to the things that legitimately matter to you as opposed to the things that may matter more to people that you don't care that much about. Um, as the, as the age old saying goes, your email inbox is everybody else's priorities for your time. Uh, Sue gives a lot of really great advice here on ways to learn how to prioritize your own time and know really what value, what's of value to you. So I really enjoyed that conversation. I really hope you did as well. Definitely check out her website at suewoodard.com to check out the new stuff that she's up to. She has recently, as you, as came out in the conversation, has recently made a pretty significant change in her professional career. Super happy for Sue about that. So go ahead and check out what she's up to. And then also, if you wouldn't mind uh, going over to iTunes and leaving a honest review for me on the show, iTunes being the search engine that it is, it relies on those reviews just to uh, help other people that might not be listening to Small Moves Podcast yet to go ahead and find the show. This show has been brought to you by Audible as well, world's leading source of audio entertainment. Go to smallmoves.co forward slash audiobooks to claim your free trial and free audiobook. Uh, there are a couple of great suggestions that Sue made throughout this book, specifically Eat That Frog. And we mentioned the Discipline Equals Freedom field manual from Jocko Willink. Go ahead and check them out. I think that would be amazing. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Small Moves Podcast, and I will talk to you next time around. You've got this.